Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Well, someone is always the statistic, and while we cross our fingers and hope that luck is on our side, inevitably the statistic hits. Every hour, 12 people die in Canada from a heart attack. Rob Stamper was simply living his life when death came knocking. At 46, Rob had a massive heart attack. And despite being incredibly active and sporty in his youth, an injury and the years of deep fried food, a little smoking, a hectic work schedule eventually caught up. Surviving the heart attack was the first step. The bigger challenge came next with the major shift in the lifestyle. So this podcast is the story of recovery and rebuilding, and we're going to talk about food. We are actually going to talk a lot about food, since Rob is also a chef and his current project is Something to Eat something to eat, which I had to kind of figure it out a couple times through, uh, for real skills for real food. So welcome to Living Your Life with Leanne Lang, the podcast brought to you by Extension Marketing. And for more information, you can head to extensionmarketing.com. Rob, pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you too. Again, because you were saying, yeah. I think we met back in my television days, but yeah. this is, I and I said, you know, this is new for me because most of the guests I've always said are people I have a history with, that I've right. done shows with and tons of interviews, but we, we kind of connected and I figured it's Heart Health Month. We're going to get to yep. the very end of Heart Health Month, uh, but your story, I think, will resonate with a lot of people because I don't want to say yeah. the average well, Joe. I'm not the but, only guy who had a right? heart attack. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, especially when you look at the statistics. It's it's a really scary thing to the, to the extent that food plays a major role in that, sure smoking and exercise are huge but it's the it's the context in which food plays in our life because it touches everybody and there, you, there's no person walking around that hasn't dealt with food mm-hmm. today today and if you don't play that card right you're going to wind up where i was you had uh, quite the adventure in life though prior <laughs> yeah. to landing yourself at 46 at the yeah. Ottawa Heart Institute Most where certainly, where yeah. you actually had to, you were in recovery for 2 weeks 2 weeks yeah so you know, and it was interesting because I, I knew you had this background in food and in the food industry. Um, and so I don't know if it was just me that I would assume that you, it was you're going to be heavier set. And, you know, because like, well, you, you, yeah. you had mentioned like deep fried food and deep fried <laughs> chicken. Like that was part. One pound bacon, lettuce and tomato sandwiches. One pound of it bacon. Yeah. With Is a little it- extra mayo. And don't forget the hot sauce. You got to have hot sauce. Okay. So you were eating all that. But oh, yeah. it wasn't like... So I don't know why I assumed, but you actually had a very active childhood. Oh yeah, you were you were very sporty and yep. did so. This wasn't like it was part of that. This was just the way you were brought up. That like, no, well, of course, my parents are British, and you know, you have the old traditional British foods. And Britain is an amazing place. I love it. But well, you know, back in the in the early seventies, you know, British cuisine wasn't la haute couture, and uh, and it was not fancy foods that we ate. We ate home-cooked stuff that my mom and dad grew up on and some of it like deep-fried bread. You know, you fry off the pound of bacon and then you Isn't take a piece of like bread. Isn't that called like French toast? No, no. You got to add an egg for that. <laughs> but it's literally like you fry the bacon with fats left, you stick a piece of bread in it, it works like a sponge and it comes out this golden, crispy, crystallized piece of deliciousness that will stop you in on your tracks. But it was 
you know, an unctuous, delicious flavor that we all all seek. So that was just an everyday occur, like that, yeah, that was, was on a weekend, okay. you know. But but at the same time, you know, you're not running around and sticking like three pounds of kale smoothies in a granola bar in your pocket when you're a kid running around out in Almont. No, no. So Almont was home, although you were born. I was born in Mississauga. I was adopted when I was uh, like six weeks old or something like that. Um, I was actually adopted twice. Crazy story. The first one wasn't able to keep me in because they, they couldn't have a baby. They wound up having a baby and they couldn't keep two, blah, 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 back to the shop. And mom and dad picked me up. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, okay, guys. I think like everything about his story today is going to be like, what? Yeah. And then it's going to be like, a what? Okay, so yeah. you're, you're my born. My favorite saying. Yeah. Really? Is that yeah, your daughter's saying? Like, what? And she's two. So, yeah. Aside from the other child. Like, yeah, yeah wait till yeah, we yeah, get yeah, to yeah. that. I'm not jumping <laughs> ahead. So... You're born, so you're adopted was, yeah, by a, yes, okay, but you're adopted by a family mm-hmm. who couldn't conceive, right? And so, but then they did, they did, and, and they couldn't it, afford to have two. Well, okay, so they, you know, after right. I've been with mm-hmm. them for a little while, and they, it was really hard for them, and and you know, my heart goes out to them wherever they are, whoever they are, and uh, then they had to give me back, and then my mom and dad were on the list waiting to get a baby, and. They said, hey, we just had this kid show back up on our door. It's a boy. You've been waiting for a boy. Do you want him? And they yeah. took me home, tried for a weekend kind of thing. And they said, yeah, we'll keep him. Yeah. <laughs> we'll try it. Trial, yeah. well, trial for the weekend. It was. It was back in the have, 60s. Yeah. It was, yeah. And you have, you have three Three older sisters, sisters. Yeah. Okay. So you're growing up in Elmont then. Yeah. And active. You said you oh, were in yeah. a number of sports. I competed internationally in four different sports. It was cross-country running, swimming, target shooting, and uh, swimming. Horseback riding, running, shooting. Four. Yeah, you got yeah. them. The four yeah. there. And I'm going to stop because as soon as you said running and swimming, I'm thinking those are cardiovascular. Oh, oh totally. You know, yeah. well-trained yeah. Uh, endurance yeah. athlete. Yeah. Yeah. You were I, running. Oh, I was running all... My friend from Once Upon a Time, Robbie Taylor, and I used to go into Almont. I lived on the outskirts. The town line of Huntley and Ramsey is where our house was. And it was nine miles to get into Almont. I would run in... I didn't know how to ride a bike until I was like 12. So, but at around 10 years old, we wanted to go into Almont and play tennis. Run. So I would run in. He would ride his bike. I'd run beside him, go play tennis for a few hours, go to Peterson's Ice Cream, which is so sad it closed, and uh, grab an ice cream, go back, play for a few more hours, and then run back home. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, you're you're was, active. I was, yeah. yeah, it was good to go. So you're active. You're busy. Yeah. You're in school. Yeah. You uh, you weren't a great student, but you are <laughs> an, but you're an amazing learner. Like you yeah. learn yeah. from experience and on the job, and just yeah. you can pick things up. I get it. You get it. Yeah. You got things pretty early because yes. despite having like this wonderful like this childhood yeah. and these relationships with your sisters and your parents, at 16 you're like, I got this all figured out. I'm good to go. I don't need to be at home anymore. You can cook, you can clean, you can yep. so yeah. Yeah, I was okay. I I found it redundant to be sitting there having someone tell me what to do if I didn't need to have them tell me how to do it. So, okay. I can do it. See you later. Okay. That, that literally that like, was as, as a parent, I would be like my dad. Oh yeah, sure. I'm sure it cracked my parents. But they had three older girls and they were like, "Oh, finally someone uh, so, Yeah, they're waiting on the grandkids yeah, at that yeah. point. Okay, so you you leave home. Yeah. You move actually into the city. You're in, yeah, you're in I, Ottawa. No, I literally left home with a bag of McDonald's clothes and a bag of my clothes in my hand and about two bucks left on a bus pass or something like that. So and McDonald's. You were working at McDonald's? I was working at McDonald's at the time. Yeah, I started okay. at McDonald's when I was 13 years old. 
And, and it's you know what though? I, I have a ton job. everyone says that. It is. I have a ton of friends whose kids are now starting their first yeah. job and they say McDonald's has an amazing program yeah. for youth to they really, really and, and yeah. integrate them into into well, it helps them with the working. social component, mm-hmm. but it also helps them with the idea that you gotta bust your ass. Mm-hmm. There's no getting around it. If it has to be done, it has to be done, shut up, get it done. And that's a really important thing is too often, uh, wishy-washy and sweet, you know, shut up, get it done. Stop your bitching and moaning and get it done. There's a checklist that needs done. to get yeah. done, right. If it's not done, nobody can go. Or that person's not going to get the food that they're paying for. Just shut up and do it. And that's really good. It, it needs, life is wonderful and we have to be more sensitive to all this and that and the other. And political correct, I think we're politically overcorrect. But realistically speaking, there's also a line in life that has to be tended to. And too often, we're pushing away from that to address the, the softer side of things. So just because I realize how much stuff we're going to get to. Work at McDonald's. Yeah. You're taking in, there's a professor at Carleton. Is this, or? Uh, yeah, well, actually, my girlfriend at the time's mother worked at Carleton, knew a guy who had, uh, it was the professor at Carleton, he was an English professor, had a house just down the street on Sunnyside. Uh, and he uh, had a place where I could stay. I didn't have any money. So, and this is the thing, I knew how to do things. And so I painted his house. I fixed his washing machine. I fixed the washer and dryer. I did electrical work for him and plumbing work for him in the house um, in lieu of rent because I didn't have any money. Well, no, because you're 16 years old and decided that you can do all of these things on your own. So here you are, 16, out of the house, uh, but kind of managing and have a roof over your head and are managing to do things. You end up staying in this industry. Like McDonald's was the start. Oh yeah, it it was. Wait. I was in and out. I was at McDonald's for in total about six years. Okay. Uh, but I had a little sojourn outwards at a one point, and I was selling stuff out of a hockey bag door to door. You're and, selling what? Oh, you know those idiots that run up and down the street. Sorry, my apologies for any of you guys who are listening. Um, but uh, you'd, you'd sell the little, you know, hey, um, knock, I got a bag of uh, pens or. Keychains. Oh no, or, you were trink. You were selling oh, trinkets. Oh yeah, I was. Well, I, I, hey, I had a, I had a game to it though. I had a hole in my shoe, and I'm like, hey, I got a blowout sale. I got to buy a new pair of shoes, and I make them laugh. Oh my and god, Rob! But you know what? Very first day I was there, you had to be a superstar salesman to ring the bell and all this stuff. I rang the bell between, before it was ten o'clock in the morning. My first day there, as because I just, yeah, I understood what I had to do and how to do it, and I went into Campanelli Real Estate on Bank Street. Uh, I don't know if they're still there or not. And I walked in. I said, I got these pens. You guys can use them for a sales gimmick. You can use them for, here, you signed a contract. Why don't you keep the pen? It costs you 50 cents a pen and a blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, I got 12 cases of pens sold by 10 in the morning. And yeah. That lasted three days, though, because I hated the job. But I could do it. So Yeah, I think the, the theme of this is going to be like you seem to pull things out from everywhere for your survival mode. Yeah. In the, in the, in the workforce that's not <laughs> selling trinkets from door yeah. to door, that you, yeah. where, where are you going then? Uh, after McDonald's, uh, well, I because you you have a lot of years of jump not jumping around, but no, you no, have no. experience yeah. in the kitchen. No, I worked in Eastside Marrows. I worked at uh, I was the restaurant manager in the hotel uh, greenery uh, at the Talisman Hotel, uh, which is where I got my my culinary training from the the chef of the hotel. He was a Cordon Bleu instructor, and he took me through the entire course um, for a case of beers. A big fat guy, Francis Ray Lyon. Rob, I like you. And it was a lot of fun. But uh, these I, these are the years that you're in the restaurant. I'm going to get to that. Yeah, yeah. You you I don't think had fully intended of of being in the restaurant business. I mean, I know it was your start when you when you were at McDonald's and that was a great yeah. way out. But you actually went into the military. Yeah, I was an infantry officer for three years. 
Okay. I created the uh, posting system that they used uh, in the Forces because it always used to be done in stacks of paper and a big piece of paper. And, and okay, who does that? So I created a database for the people, a database for the positions at an overlay. And um, I think they're using a, a version of it still. Um, I'm not 100% sure. Don't quote me on that. Um, but they would, they basically, you'd have the career managers be able to, because I was a career manager after I uh, destroyed my ankle, I turned it over 180 degrees. Okay. This is, cause this is where I think there's yeah. a big shift in your life. Yeah. You're in, is it a training exercise? Yeah. What are you doing? Okay. So yeah. you're in military training exercise. Exactly. Yeah. You're still quite active because yeah. you were doing all of these sports. Yeah. Uh, and you, how do you injure your ankle? I was on a night march and I had about 250 pounds on my back was, uh, trucking through the woods. And I stepped on a wet rock, half on, half off, and I did a 180-degree inversion of my ankle. Uh, so basically, I was standing on the bones of my lower leg with my foot twisted upside down uh, inwards, and it destroyed all the ligaments uh, in the ankle. So How far you... are you from medical? Oh, uh, no, I was about two days out uh, in the woods. You're two days in on a trek in the woods yeah. with... A severe, like yeah, 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 severe yeah, yeah. injury. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How do the guys get you out? Like what? Oh, no, no, what well, no, you just you kind of bandage it up and you suck it out until you get to the end. And then we got back, and then you go see the doctor. And okay, it's pretty bad. It's a massive swelling, obviously. So you can't really tell stuff when you've got that kind of a level of destruction because everything in your body swells up to protect it, right? And so rode out. There was. There was, now I was out in BC at the time, I was from Ottawa, I had my son, I've got a 28-year-old son, um, and he had been born uh, just prior to when I left, and because I, I left to join the military, because I used to work in a steel fabrication plant uh, before that. And um, I can't even do all the check marks, yeah, okay, so just keep going, yeah. And, and so I joined the military because it was a stable career and all that kind of stuff, be able to provide for uh, my son's mother, myself, and my son, obviously. And... Um, but then they were out in Ontario, and I was in PC, and I'd blow my ankle to pieces. So basically, I had another three, four weeks left on the course, five weeks left on the course. Uh, so I finished the course. Uh, Sitting just, down, I would take it. No, no, no. I taped my ankle. Uh, I, used, I basically made myself a tape cast. I used enough tape to wrap my ankle so it was basically held in 90-degree position. Uh, so I did the it's rest hanging. of It's hanging. Yeah. And so I... <laughs> so I... I Taped it up so it wouldn't move. Okay. And then I finished the rest of the thing. That would be all the drill parade and all the uh, obstacle course competition, sports day competition, all that stuff. Uh, then I got, uh, off of that course, I got posted back uh, to Saint-Jean-sur-Richelieu, uh, just on the other side of Montreal. And that was, you know, an hour and a half, two hours away from home. So I was able to come back home. And, I, and it was when I was there getting my French language training that uh, I, I uh, became... Uh, uh, surgeoned. I got surgeoned from the military uh, to surgeon to cut you open and mess with your parts. Yeah. And uh, so they cut out my. Uh, all the I would think the, the mere fact that you survived that long with a taped up pretending that you could put your foot back together is. is well, you know, you got to do what you got to do. I, I, yeah, but I'm, I'm thinking, to be honest with you, had you left and gotten the surgery and had the yeah. ability to heal yourself that you might not have been in some of the predicaments that you ended up in. No, I would have been stuck in BC and I would have missed a whole lot more of my son's life. Okay. And so that wasn't an option. It was so, you're going to look at this as it was a blessing in disguise. So was my heart attack, but we'll right. get to that later. Well, I'm thinking this was start the start to what led to 
the the heart attack because you went from being very active yep. to not being active yeah. at all, right? This injury it, it, in it essentially cut the legs from under me. right. You, you were the mobility was just not there anymore. Now, and to, to this day, I've got fifteen percent range of motion in that ankle. That that's not very much. No, no, really, uh, not no. that much. So you go from being active to yeah. inactive to being much less active. Yeah. I always tried to maintain a level of activity, but it gradually, the, the tendrils of, of, of sitting and, yeah. and, and that kind of stuff, because I can tell you when the rain, when the rains come, I can tell you what the weather's going to be like. Yeah. I mean, that's a really great thing to have. It's sure. Yes. But we have meteorologists but it, for that now. Right, Exactly. It's not necessarily, I think I all of nap. us can feel that in our bones when <laughs> yeah. something is about to happen. So you're going at this pace. You've, you've come back. Yeah. You, you leave the military. You're there for about three years. Yep. Go back into the restaurant business? Yep. Okay. I left. I was going to be a police officer uh, when I left the military, but there was too much of a physical draw on it. And I said, that's... And you know what? I'm not... Uh, 15% range. You're not running after any bad guy. No. And no. also, I, you know, I love cops, but I don't like cops. <laughs> you know, I was... I started to swing to the other side of the fence. Uh, that was the little bit more decadence in life and start to go to like that because... Maybe I had an emotional bitterness to the fact that I got, I literally had to have a full life change from how I used to be to something else. And my, you know, granted, I managed to maintain levels of activity and, and I could keep on going, but it wasn't who I was. So it was a bit of a kick in the nards. Um, so I started, that's when I got over into the restaurant industry. Okay. Back, or back into the restaurant back industry. Back into it. Yeah. Of which you then are at Kelsey's for. Uh, uh, I, no, Kelsey's like, was later. later. I was at uh, okay. Eastside Mario's. I was, uh, my sister and brother-in-law and I owned a restaurant in Canada. Uh, I was, I was a bouncer for years too while I was doing all this and bartending and managing and, and the chef and serving and all that kind of stuff. Buffalo Charlie's, Lincoln Fields. Okay. Gosh, uh, you were, you were everywhere. I, well, I got bored and I had a lot of hours in my day. So when I. I would have three jobs at a time. Like I started working full time when I was 14 because I knew what to do and I was bored and so I needed to do stuff. Yeah. Until you're 46 and a heart attack takes you down. So yeah. I'm going to fast forward a couple of years True. because in that there's right. there's like there's like a marriage and then there's a divorce and then there's this trip to hang out in the middle of the Amazon jungle yeah. where you actually meet your current wife. And, and last, trust me. And Yes, and you I, have two very young children. You yes. have a two-year-old yeah. and you have a newborn. A five-month-old, yeah. Okay, so Rob hasn't actually slept since like two about, days ago before coming in, to do, <laughs> to coming in to do this podcast. Are you with your – so you're 50? Yeah, I turned 50 last September. When did you meet your wife? In 2009. I was okay. – uh, I'd taken a trip. Uh, with my ex at the time, um, and it was a sort of a you know, see if things work. But it was I'd always wanted to go to Peru and 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 go and wander around in the Amazon jungle and more of a, a recenter myself and connect to not Mother Earth, but in that mentality. And uh, so I went down to there, uh, and I met my wife in a boat in a river in the Amazon jungle. And I was 42 at the time, and it was one of those things where. You know when you're you got a relationship and you know it's over, but you're just you know you're chucking anything and everything at the wall to see if it'll stick. It was one of those, and it, it was long on. Now this girl, she actually was friends with my ex and myself as well, uh, and we were all friends and everything was good. And we had the jungle guide, and he was the, he was friend. By the way, I told you his name uh, not at all. His name actually his middle name was Danger, Luis Danger Vargas. Um, no joke, he, he was a jungle yeah. guide. It was perfect, um, but. Uh, so, so we're, you know, all friends and that kind of stuff. Things split up with my ex and I. And my wife and I just kept 
we maintain a friendship because very smart, very, very intelligent. She's a psychologist. She's got part of her master's degree from Harvard. She's an incredible woman. You know, not dead, drop dead gorgeous, but she's no, she is. I'm not even joking. She really. Has if you look at my Instagram go, stuff and you see her picture, you'll see this guy. Oh my god! No, like serious though. Like she's she's stunning, but it's but take that aside. She's an incredible person. She's mm. wickedly smart. She's got a heart huge. Well, yeah, she takes you in. She's it's like, okay, be, yeah. So you're back in. Per, yeah. you, so you're back in. You're back in. And the, so the I, I, I came back, I, we said, hey, you know, is yeah. this real? Let's go. I moved back to, uh, I moved to Peru and lived there for two years. Uh, we got married. Uh, we started all the paperwork to come back to Canada because mm -hmm. we wanted to come back here to have a family. And uh, then her job moved us just north of uh, Miami for two years and then came back up here in 2014. Awesome. This is right around the time, I'm assuming, that the heart attack hits. Got here so, in March. Okay. Uh, got here in uh, just at the last couple of days of March, and the first of April, no, the first of March the next year, 2015, um, from the 28th of February to the first of March, hard time. Where are you? Right now, I'm in. No, the, where where are you? I was uh, I was at a friend's birthday party uh, out in Manitoba, and everything's good and all that kind of stuff, and I didn't have any feeling of difference. Nothing was. Like, there was nothing special going on that day. Uh, for me, physically, I didn't feel anything. I just wasn't really hungry. It wasn't really thirsty. I had a ginger ale. Uh, we finished up the thing, headed on home. Did you have a ginger ale because you felt like you wanted a burp? No, I had a ginger ale because I like ginger. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and then, and you know, went home. But my arms were kind of tired. You know when you sit with your arm up on something for a while? It and, felt like and it was it, falling asleep? It felt like it was falling asleep. And But you put it back down and everything's groovy. Well, my arms were kind of, yeah, it doesn't feel quite right, you know? I don't know. It's weird. And so the hot sense were playing out West. So it was a late game. There was some UFC thing on. So I kind of hooked up uh, on the computer. My wife's having a nap on the couch and, and it was like 10 o'clock at night. And I'm Googling, getting things on the computer for that. I got the hockey game ready to go out. And I thought tired arms It was weird. And so I threw in, you know, reason for tired arms. There's muscle, this muscle, that. And if it wasn't for Google, no joke, I wouldn't be sitting here because right at the very bottom of the page, there was something that said heart, like heart. What the hell does my heart have to do with that? So I clicked it and I was like, hmm, that's odd. Never thought about that. And so, but it gradually got a little bit more intense. And my arms were like, and I had to, a little, uh, you know, when you're not comfortable in your own body. And it's like, okay, sweetie, I got to, I got to, I think we should go get this checked out. So grabbed a bottle of water. We drove over to uh, the Hardin's, to uh, the Queensway Carlton. And then uh, at the Queensway Carlton, I uh, went in and obviously, you know, young guy, I was overweight. I was about 30 plus pounds heavier than I am right now. And um, it was it was nothing special. It was some guy who's, but still, you know, I don't look like I'm a big, fat, heavy guy. And, you know, it's so, okay, walk over here, go over there, go over there. Turns out I was having heart attacks the entire time. And my right coronary artery was 99% blocked. Uh, usually you discover that kind of thing in your body around 70%. Um, if I'd gone to bed, I wouldn't have woken up. So if you you know that dip your finger in water and you run it across glass, that little spotted dribble of water that's across? Mm -hmm. That's a, how much blood was getting through the major artery at the bottom of my heart. Had you gone to sleep, you wouldn't have woken up? Yep. Yeah. Cool, eh? <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it's scary. It, yeah. It's scary and it's, you think of what that hitting the Google, that Google machine of, 
of trying to figure out what was going on. And I think, and you hope that people are educated now yeah. in understanding what the signs are, especially when you look at what that heart disease, yeah. you know, is the, yeah. it's the number one killer for women. It's number two in Canada uh, and for overall disease, but that's terrifying. So you're, you so they, what, you don't know. Like I had tired arms. Who doesn't have tired arms? Yeah, but you had a 99% blockage of your artery. And yet I didn't have one of those transparent bodies like you have in science class where you could see inside it. And I had no knowledge. I had no knowledge. I literally to this day had no have no knowledge that that's what I was having as a heart attack. Because it didn't feel like a heart attack. You see the chest pains and oh, oh, mama, right. you do. You see the you Hollywood, you see the Hollywood yeah. version of what it's a heart not attack real. is. It, it can be. But that most people, it's not. You wind up, you just sit there and you go, oh, or, oh, that feels weird. Or, or like me going, I don't know, what the hell is that? 99% blockage. Yeah. You're hours away. Had you gone to sleep of, of likely yeah. not waking yeah. up. They transfer you immediately to the Heart Institute. Where are you well, now? Well, yeah, I went to I went to Queensway Carlton, and overnight they've realized because they had to do blood tests and all that kind of stuff. They realized I was having heart attacks, and so they get me up into the ICU out of the emergency room. Uh, and in this is Saturday going into a Sunday. They called an emergency team uh, to the the on call team into the Heart Institute. They get me over. Uh, straight, you know, shoot me down the road in the ambulance, and it, I'm you know sign the papers. Uh, flip you. I'm in the middle of. The, I'm in the middle of the lobby. They flip the gown off and they're shaving down in the old nether region, uh, because they put it in through your arm, or if they can't get it there, they go in through the femoral artery down here. And so I'm like, hey, a little bit of vanity. He goes, you want your life? You want your vanity? I'm like, let her rip. So there's people on there and they're shaving me all up and getting me all ready to go. Sign the piece of paper because one in a thousand, you're going to die on the table. This podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They're a new breed of marketing agency that acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that will grow your business. I can speak to this personally as I've been using the Extension Marketing team to help me launch and grow my business. Founder Pat Whalen has been a lifesaver for me, a genuine coach guiding me along the way into uncharted territory. Tell them you're a friend of the show and receive a free one-hour consultation. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com. That's the reality of, of this waiver is that it can happen and it does happen. And that's real life. In this situation, you're not playing. It's no longer a game. It's not a concept. It is your life at that moment. And so you got to sign this piece of paper saying, yeah, go for it. And that's what we did. My son showed up. My wife was there with me. My mother came. A friend of hers got her down there as well. And uh, they all sat in the lobby while I went. And, uh, and oddly enough, I almost died on the table. Um, they, went, they couldn't go in through my arm. And so they went through the femoral artery. But my femoral artery got sliced open. Uh, now, you're awake at the, whole, the whole time you're doing this, by the way. The entire time that you're doing this, they've given you some meds and that kind of stuff, but they've got a big-ass screen like sitting right there, and you're laying on your back. But it's really, really cool because you can they put this dye in so they can see what's going on inside your mm -hmm. heart, right? And you can see all the veins and stuff, and you can see this thing going up and snaking through and all this type of thing. And so I'm sitting up like, there, put your head up, like, I want to watch this. This is really, really cool. Like when they did the surgery yeah, I, on Yeah, I get ankle, that I you like to know everything and you like to learn as you go about yeah. it. But I, I, uh, yeah, yeah. I'd be in like some Zen trance trying to – it trying to help. do deep breaths and try to but focus. But they need, they need you aware because right. if they need you to move or shift or something like that, then you got to be listening and paying. you got to be mm -hmm. tuned in, right? But, yeah, okay, I was paying attention because I wanted to see what was going Because it was how often do you get to check that stuff out, right? 
I hope never. Yeah, but. and and you know, God bless them if, if you don't ever. <laughs> like and for anybody people, else, I hope you don't have I, to do it. Either. You know, they're going. I could skip that part. Can, I'd rather just you can not YouTube. have this happen. Got all to kinds you. of yeah. cool stuff on YouTube. So um, you you understand that what's going on the process? Oh yeah, as you're, you're totally in tuned in. You're aware what's going on, that kind of stuff. And so, anyways, they go and they they put this massive stent in the bottom of my heart, and they take the thing back up. Um, but my femoral artery gets sliced open, and uh, the femoral artery is kind of like yay big. And By yay big, you're showing because people are listening thumb, to this. Okay, them. Yeah. Sorry, I thought that was YouTube. Tune in on YouTube. It's a wonderful show. Um, and <laughs> so, uh, and so basically, it slices open. So they try going in on because your it comes down the middle and splits off to your legs. Okay, so they try to go in on this side up and over to try and seal it off with a bio seal. That doesn't work. So the doctor had to make a fist and physically press down into my hip, pressing onto the femoral artery to stop, stop me from bleeding out yeah. and dying on the table. Um, imagine a pair of boxer shorts, the, the form and shape of them. The front quadrant of my body, from the side all the way up to the front and middle, here to here, was purple for about a month and a half afterwards from the amount of blood that had pooled in my body afterwards. Um, but kudos to the doctor, amazing job. He held his fist down. You can see the sweat pouring oh, off yeah, his head. Oh yeah, it was like a workout. Well, imagine physically pressing, trying to dislocate someone's hip. That's literally what you're trying to do in that position. You're pressing so, so hard. So they're pressing on, he's on that side of the body while the surgeons are on. No, 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 like no, no, no. He, he was a surgeon. So, so that's what he's. So I'm laying on the table, he's leaning on top of me like this, pressing down for about 45 minutes. Until it until it's it's clotted enough and it's not going to bleed out. Then they take this thing like a C clamp. I don't know if you know what a C clamp is. It's kind of shaped like the letter C, and it's got a ratchet on it. So they click it on down. So there's this metal thing under the table and on top of your body mm -hmm. that presses down, and it's clamped down. And then they slowly, after every half hour, release a click. So it gradually releases and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, after being have that all done i didn't bleed out i didn't die on the table and i went into uh, the recovery went over to the queensway carlton after a few days i had some really weird markers happening in my blood they thought i might be having some more heart issues went back over to the heart institute uh went in again uh with uh do another check and make sure everything was okay um make sure they didn't miss anything or something hadn't shifted or whatever and they said everything was okay. Uh, two weeks later, I get out of the Heart Institute, head home. Okay, that's awesome. Well, you're that in the heart. Cool yeah, that. yeah. That's a lot to take in. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a lot to take in, and and you you skip over. I'm in the heart. You're like, and then I spent two weeks in the Heart Institute, and then I go home. So the the recovery, <laughs> the recovery is psychological. Yeah, uh, like it's are, I mean, are you sitting there going, I have just experienced life and death? Like you know. No, they got pretty good meds. Um, you were just really med. There, there, there was a, there's a, a little window of time in which you're meded up pretty good because you have, like, you need a component of that because you've just had your body invaded. Mm -hmm. uh, there's the you have now a, a metal mesh tube inside your heart that your heart is gonna say, "Hey, asshole, what is this?" And you're gonna have a physical sort of, eh, "I don't like that feeling," and so you're gonna have some discomfort. You got you your body has been invaded by mechanical means and you need to have you need to have that time in which you're meted up a little bit for your body to sort of take a breath 
figure out what's going yeah. on. Yeah, and and that's it's a really good thing. But you know, you're in for two weeks. You you're gonna have that time where you're okay. Gotta go. Well, you're not moving. No, I, I would just think your head is spinning. Your head is yeah. spinning of your new reality. That well, there's, you're not you're not in that space yet, though. You're, you're not, not in that headspace yet. You're you're just on survival you're, mode. You're dealing with right now. What do I got going on? I got my wife over here who's sitting here going, are you okay? You know, my son comes to visit. They go out for a snack. You know, are you okay? Everything's okay. Mom comes to visit my sister and my, you know, but I'm your, <laughs> my wife told me that there's times where you're having a conversation and then I just, you'd conk and out. then I come, wait, when I wake up like 15, 20 minutes later, I'm still in that same sentence. So. Are you starting to eat, feed? Are you still are you, like, yeah, 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 no, you're eating okay. and all that kind of stuff in the hospital food. No. You weren't you weren't quite happy no. with, that, well, with the hospital food. There, you said it's almost like a an oxymoron, like right that they're trying to give you. You just healthier. had a heart attack, and they say don't eat too much red meat. But three days in a row, I got served roast beef. And day number four, I'm like, hey, you guys told me I'm not supposed to eat that much red meat. Stop giving me red meat. So then they brought me some fish. How much information are you given? Like, what were you given after the two weeks to go home and then go figure things out? Because you had to make serious oh, yeah. lifestyle changes yeah. in order to prevent that this would be something that would happen again. Oh, yeah. The, they, give, they, give, they give you a lot of good information. There are, the alumni website is, is a fantastic resource. Don't, by any sense of the means, think that it's not. It is, it's got a lot of tools, a lot of tips, a lot of tricks. It's got a lot of, a lot of things for the person to use you get given booklets of stuff when you walk out the door but then don't get me wrong it took a month for me to be able to go up a set of stairs so you have information overload no not no. not overload but you have enough information to to you, make to, informed to start decisions. you on the path okay. of, of making those right decisions and keep you there if you think of it like the bumpers in when you're going bowling Mm-hmm. Right, you know the 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 kid bumpers that yes. you put in. It's that kind of thing. It's like go down the road, but don't go too far this way. Don't go too far this way, and keep you and it keeps you in that right okay. path. I like that analogy. That's good. The thing is, is that it will say be active, walk, do things. Yeah. But you actually physically aren't capable yet of doing that. You, no, there's it a takes slow buildup. Yeah, it takes you some time. And they've got classes after you have the, the heart attack. You go to the Heart Institute and they check you and they help you work through and, and they take you through some steps of your recovery. They do an amazing job at the Heart Institute. I could, And I, honestly, I could not possibly say more positive about them. And what the people there are like, how hard they work to make sure that people go in and come out. They don't want return customers. That's that's you got to know that. They don't want you. If you show up, they don't want you there. Because that means that something in your life has put you there and they don't want you to come back. They don't want you there to start with. I think we are incredibly lucky here in Ottawa to have the Heart Institute. Yes. I think people it's almost it's like Chio and the Heart Institute. It, you don't realize how fortunate we are to be in this area. We're, we're blessed. We're truly blessed to have, to have it. it and I've had a number of um of, of doctors from there and I actually yeah. have one coming up in a couple of weeks. Because I just find it's fascinating, and I find they are incredibly passionate about the work that they're doing. Yeah. And you're right; they, their yeah. their purpose is to know that you're you've left and you're not coming back, yeah. and that you have a, a full life ahead of you. So you you are armed with this information. Yeah. You are armed with the slow physical rehabilitation that yeah. you go through, yeah. and then eventually, though, you're walking again, you're yeah. active again. You've swapped from your deep fried bread to kale and smoothie. Like what yeah. what were the big changes for you? Our life is 
built on a level of decadence. Our social structure is built on decadence. Our family structure is built on decadence. Our friendships are often built on decadence of what you do. A $7 Starbucks coffee is a decadence. Yeah. As Rob just noticed me, I usually grab my head to my coffee right around this time. Yes. It's, it's my one. It, this is my decadence. Great. And it is my, it is my, that's this cool. is my vice. But that's the thing. Right. It is, it's, it's my vice. It's a decadence, yeah. right? You see these, was it a rainbow unicorn latte? It's got 12,000 oh, yeah. gallons of sugar in it. Like you gotta harvest an entire sugarcane plantation for one cup of this crap, but and it's not that I'm a hater on Starbucks. I call it crack bucks, but don't get me wrong. It's because they hook you. They oh, hook I'm you with hooked. it. I'm hooked. Yes. And the but those are the decadences in life are the things that is the hardest switch. I used to love chocolate when I lived in Florida. We lived down the street from from where the Panthers play uh, at uh, Sawgrass. I don't know if you know the Sawgrass Mall. But it's this massive two-mile walk around inside the mall. Fantastic. Oh, they got the Lindor store in there. You walk in, you get 75 Lindors, three bags of 75 Lindors for 25 bucks. And if you buy three, you get the fourth one free. And you can So we these. know that there's an issue. If you know the price of, uh, of your Oh, you get a loyalty card. So, okay. The so chips, the chocolate. chocolate is your on, number. Like, that was a tough one that, 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 but to pass up. You know what? It's... it's uh, Chocolate was it's, one. It, it, it depends on your intelligence. If you're willing to understand what it is that you're doing and what you need to stop doing, then you're on the path to getting out of that routine. And that's the, that's the trick in the whole thing because it was the chips. It was the chocolate. Like, who doesn't like bacon? Like, give me a break. Like, granted, I know some people are of d- different religious components that they don't eat bacon. Well, you can swap out bacon with something else. There's there's all kinds of different things that people go, oh, yeah. Greasy, fatty, salty, sugary, that is what sells. You turn on any Food Network channel show, anything. Here's a, oh, needs some more salt, needs some more salt, needs some more salt. I was watching Gordon Ramsay uh, yesterday on some Hot Ones thing, YouTube Hot Ones. I love hot sauce. My wife and I are hot sauce fans. And so I was watching this thing, Gordon Ramsay eating his way through some chicken wings. And at the end of it, the guy is like, okay, can you make some, show me how to make the perfect scrambled eggs. And he's in there and he goes, with some salt, salt, salt. And, and, and at the end of it, the guy takes a bite and he goes, what does it need? He goes, it needs more salt. And he puts, the amount of salt he put in is just insane. But that's the thing. Salt, according to the Heart Institute, you only need 2,000 milligrams per day. How much is in a pinch of salt? Well, a pinch, one teaspoon of regular kosher salt is around 480 milligrams of salt. Okay. So now you take a look at a Big Mac, take a look at a quarter pounder with cheese, take a look at a, a pack of fries. By the time you're done a kid's meal at McDonald's with the fries, you've covered your salt more or less. You, you don't have to eat a lot of salt. And that's the thing with cooking. People put salt in because you need to have salt. If it's not salty, it's not right. Yes, your body needs salt. There are chemical receptors that make your mouth taste foods much, much better. If it has some salt to it. And you do need to have salt. You do need to have fat. You do need to have sugar. These are components that your body needs to function. But there is a line in which it becomes to a point of excess. And as we live our lives in a line of excess, we stop understanding what food is supposed to be. Food has its own flavor. Like if you have ever had broccoli, broccoli tastes like broccoli. It doesn't taste like grass. It doesn't taste like kale. It doesn't taste like a cheeseburger. It tastes like what it is, broccoli. But here's the thing. Our body recognizes the flavors that broccoli has 
because it knows what it needs to get out of it. Now, if you want to dress it up, you take your broccoli florets, you put them in a pan with just a hair of canola oil or olive oil or avocado oil or grapeseed oil, one of the healthy oils, just a hair of that in there. Put your broccoli florets inside the pan, a splash of water, cover it with a lid. You get this nice, perfectly steamed and a little bit of a, a nice crust of, of, of sear on the bottom of those. Little drizzle of uh, little drizzle of lemon juice on top, crack of pepper, and a couple of little pieces of like a low-fat goat cheese as your side dish. You eat that crap all day long. But it, it took you a while to figure that out because right now I'm I'm I, I really want because it sounds that. like yeah. I want to eat. That. I want yeah. to eat that. I remember some, um, one of the nutritionists saying an apple should taste sweet. When you mm. bite into an apple, yeah. that apple should be sweet. If it's not, you've had your there's too much sugar there's too yeah. many other things that yeah. you that you become accustomed to yeah. so you kind of almost know that you're on the right track when you are able to bite into that apple yeah and you can sense that that natural sweetness yeah. so these were things that you actually learned because right off the bat you kind of went extreme right you went oh like oh, you went full stop. kale like full smoothie berries like, and yeah tr- i was literally rabbits would look at me and go what the hell is wrong with you matt <laughs> like it was you said you were eating rabbit food oh i was rabbit food yeah. galore it was horrid and, that, and But it was super healthy and it was great. And, you know, I needed to drop all my bad numbers, as it were. You know, when you get your blood tests, all the triglycerides and your LDLs and your HDLs have to be in line, you know. And it, I had to get those suckers in line. And so I did. You did. You lost, you've, you said, about 30 pounds. Uh, I had I'd lost around 40 pounds mm-hmm. uh, from, my, from my weight. And, but then you get to a point after eating all this nonstop healthy, it's like you start to crave those other things again. Because you go through a mental transition. It's the emotional response of food that goes into a mental transition of who am I that I use? We identify ourselves to things. Like I have a shirt still in my drawer and I still wear it. It says bacon makes it better. Because, you know, like, but you know what? You don't have to eat a pound of bacon. You can, you can still, I, I'd like to say, you can still enjoy some bacon. Exactly. The, um, I've a always been moderation. Living and existing. Right. So you were exi- you were almost in the I was in the existing. You were in the existent. How how late? How long did you stay in that existing state? Good six eight months. Okay. And then you start to go. You know what? Let's go and have a. You know, I'm going to treat myself. But then it starts to become. Let's, I'm going to treat myself. Like, and then and let's the, have another treat. Well, you know, it's not the same treat. It's a different treat. Well, I haven't had one of those in a while. And then you know, somebody comes, or then it's a vacation, or the next thing you know. You've got kids on the way and the pregnancy hungers and you sort of fall in line with those things because it's just, you know, you're there supportive. And, you know, pregnancy weight for males is, is a huge thing. We put on a lot. Well, of course, because you need to have some of the ice cream and some of the pickles. And, and it's there else and, you know. You... So you, when do you start to realize that you have slowly given in to some of those decadence uh about. every couple of days or today's treat is this when did you start to say oh i'm going down a bad path again about a year and a half ago i started to realize hey i'm starting to roll that way almost think of it like a seesaw i was all the way over on this side and then i went almost all the way over on that side it's like okay i'm starting to i gotta crawl my butt back to that center point where i find that point of balance because everything comes down to balance in the end you can have the treat and all that kind of stuff and you but the the thing is is that People want to eat that stuff that they're comfortable with, that they have emotional connections to, where they that they feel like. I remember Stephen Beck just saying that you know one of his favorite things is shepherd's pie, but his kids don't have an emotional tie to it. They have an emotional tie to foie gras. Well, it's because they have that connection to it, right? Mm-hmm. We grow up as as individuals with emotional ties. We have ties to smells, sounds, songs, 
food is a major emotional component for our lives. And the more we have those emotional ties to things, the more we want to go back to them because that's our comfort zone, right? We, we feel comfortable there. And so what I'm trying to do now, after I realized I'm way over on this other side and I need to get back to here, but I still want to be able to have that emotional tie. How do I be able to have that emotional tie to that food that doesn't put my ass back in the Heart Institute? And that's what I'm doing now. I've been developing all these recipes that are to take the foods that you want to eat. Like a burger on the grill is just, oh, it's so good. The smell, the taste, that little bit of char, you know? So you went back to almost like the classical training that you had of understanding foods and flavoring and what can create a flavor using a certain ingredient. So you went back almost as a scientific experiment. How can I create? Because I know one of the ones on your Instagram is like a scalloped potato. So how can I make this? (laughs) Right. Most of us, you know, would would say, I might have to skip on that. So how did you then start to develop all of these recipes of your, yeah. of those foods to be able to match what the Heart Institute is saying, yeah. we're going to approve or not approve something like this. Well, one of the things that I, I went back and, and I know that you've got a lot of friends who are nutritionalists and that kind of stuff. And I think there's a fantastic component to that. But I think there's also something very lacking in that is that it's one thing to have the the intellectual knowledge of it, another thing to have the physical knowledge of it, is another thing to actually have had your, like the blood and dirt of a chicken carcass under your nails and know what it is. So you can you can smell every nuance of what's happening. You can feel everything and you understand it from that primary level to be able to use that as the foundation for a recipe. It's one thing to be able to make stuff. It's another thing to be able to create something. And what this is, is it's really creating a food, not transforming a food, but creating a food, taking the knowledge and fundamentals that I, I learned of what things are, how they work together, how they work in your body together, what those all those components of, of what the difference of, of the way that those things are cut. Like the cut of a meat or where even you're how taking to cut it from, or even how to cut the meat. Even how to cut the meat, how to cut the vegetables, how to, how to coax out all those little nuances of flavor. And that you can actually pull all of those components together to create that super unctuous, oh, I really want to eat that. Oh, I feel satiated. Because you have a bag of chips. I'm hard-pressed to find people that don't like a bag of chips every now and then. But you get a bag of chips that's big, you only want three or four, and then you're done. Right. And then... Some people have the ability to eat three or four and uh, then no, be no. done. Everybody has the ability to eat three or four and be done. The thing is we are we are in a mechanical mode. Mm-hmm. Just keep shoving it in. I'm watching something there and you don't even know your arm is moving. Next thing you know, the bag's gone. Or, well, I can't throw it out. I spent all the money. Oh, I'll just eat it. Or I'll eat the rest of it tomorrow. And next thing you know, you've got four days of noshing on chips where you really only wanted one day's worth of about a handful of chips. By the way. I'm not a shout out to the dollar store, but the dollar store, little tiny little bag, it's got like 15 chips inside at 50 cents. You want a little bag of chips, grab one of those. It's instead of buying the family size two for 750 pack from Lay's from sitting on the, the Walmart shelf. That's really funny though, because I, it was maybe a couple weeks ago, I actually posted, I did an Insta story. I was standing in the line at the Dollarama because I do love my Dollarama. Can't go wrong. But the the exit line you know oh, kind of like at home sense like at home sense you have all of the like, yeah. it's like oh this mug is so cute and i like yeah. this little wrapping like when you're in home sense like that 
and, and there's always a line, oh, right? Yeah, so yeah, you're yeah. always having to wait. There's always a line at Dollarama too. But it yeah. is, I was, I was so distraught looking at yeah. it because it was thousands upon thousands of chocolate bars. Crap. Like it was, and you've got poor kids who are holding on to their parents' hands and they're at eye level with everything. Yep. And I just, I, I, it was cruel. It, it is. was cruel, and it's a, it's a it's, level of torture to try and make it for through people. that. Absolutely, yeah. you know. But I kind of like your idea of you know that there's a smaller amount of chips in that yeah. fifty-seven yeah. bag. Go for that rather than the super-sized, yeah. family-sized ones that you're having. Okay, so but I kind of got off track. Those are the, kind, those are the kind of things. So those are small. Those are the small changes that you've now been able to incorporate. That you're those not are, having the bag of chips. You're having the four exactly the ten of them that are in yeah. that bag. Or I or you you know my mom. She loves her snacks. I buy the big bag. I'll take a Ziploc bag and pour three quarts of it into a bag, give it to my mom, so I've got a little bit of in the bag. And I can nosh on those. What were your favorite recipes, or what have you gotten the most feedback from, from people scallop, who are now... The scalloped potatoes. The scalloped potatoes scallop are a big potatoes, one. Why, why are you able to make those... Gyoza. Why are you able to make those scalloped potatoes accessible to people who... It's it's the manner it's it. the manner in which it's made the manner in which it's cooked. Uh, number one, using I don't put I don't put any salt in anything I cook. Nothing. No. That, Be, it, coming from a chef, there's always a pinch of this, a pinch of that. You don't so, need it. You know so why? I, I'll tell you uh, why. why. The reality is, is that if you use some form of ingredient, like. Think of uh, Parmesan cheese. Everybody knows that craft green mm-hmm. jar. It's literally swept up off the floor of the of the plant and stuck in a jar and sold to people. Right. It's garbage. Right. It has no flavor. You use 12 pounds of it at every pasta. You may as well just bread your pasta in this stuff. It's, it's useless. Buy a block of Parmigiano Reggiano, a good microplane. It costs you six bucks. A, you can get a microplane for well, You can get a big one at bucks. Costco. Have you, you got those ones? The big 27 things. bucks. Yes. It, I, we bought it. It has lasted me Months. almost a, like I could yeah. say I'm probably isn't lasted a year because it lasts yeah. anyway. And yeah. I just shave off every every time I'm trying to flavor. I shave off a bit. And do you use a microplane? What is that? It's okay. Uh, you know you know what a file is, right? A file, like a file. Yeah. Oh, now file. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. So imagine with the little plates sort of pulled up like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what I use. Yeah. Like a, it's that's like exactly a really what fine I grater. Use. Yes. So you can get one of those. In the I didn't know that's stuff. what it was called, yeah. but that's what I use, yeah. and I use the parmesan like that. Yeah. yeah. And you, you do a couple of rasps of yeah. that over top. Well, here's the thing: that has enough salt in it from the cheese from the cheese that you don't need to throw a ton of salt into the food. So you can make your make your pasta, and then so you like do you like bolognese like a nice meaty red sauce. I don't, but I but I appreciate it. Okay. I know that there are good sauces okay. out there. Yeah, but uh, ground ground beef. This is okay. one of the things. It's so easy to cut a load of crap out of your uh, of of the bad fats out of your system. So we go out and buy medium ground beef, nice juicy fatty burger. Okay, eighty percent, twenty percent, eighty lean, twenty fat. Okay, that's what's found in a medium. That's in a medium ground okay. beef. Okay, you go to lean. You're usually the industry standard is around ninety to ten, and then you go to extra lean is like ninety three seven. 96.4, okay? Um, That's good to know. I didn't know actually what the stats were yeah, when yeah, I'm those, looking those, at the different ones. Those are general ratios. I always did those it by color. generally known ratios. Um, yeah, the, the lighter, the more <laughs> fat in it, right? But here's the thing. If you're going to make taco meat, you're going to season the crap out of it anyways. First of all, don't buy a package taco meat, taco seasoning. It's 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 salt. all salt. But you get some cumin, you get some pepper flakes of paprika, a little oregano, and garlic powder and onion powder, and you put them together with a little bit of cornstarch in a little food mill. You buy like 10 bucks for a little coffee grinder and use that only for your spices, 
and you make your own. That literally is a recipe right there, one part each, and there is a recipe for taco seasoning. No salt needed. Okay, you have exactly the same flavoring, actually better flavor than anything that you're going to buy in one of those little taco packs. Okay, but no salt in it. So, but you're going to flavor the crap out of your meat anyways. So you don't need to have fatty meat. So you fry off all the, you cook off all the meat from raw. You put it into a strainer in your sink and you give it a blast of hot water. You just took that lean ground beef and made it into hyper extra lean ground beef because you took all the fat out of it. People go fat as flavor. Well, there's still fat on the inside of the pan. So you're still going to have that little bit of a mouthfeel. You're still going to have that unctuous component that goes to it. You take that meat, you put it back in the pan, you brown it off. Now you get the Maillard reaction where you get that little bit of browning on the meat. And that's the caramelization of the natural sugars in the meat. And that brings up another level of the flavor. And then you put your taco seasoning that you just made with no salt in it. Put that on top. Add a little bit of water, swish it around, let it slowly simmer and reduce. Bang. Next thing you know, you got the wicked taco meat. And you can switch that taco beef out for turkey or chicken. And don't forget, turkey and chicken are healthier than ground beef. But at the same time, you're not going to know a rat's ass of difference because it's covered in taco seasoning. It's covered with lettuces and tomatoes and, you know, nachos are a huge one that people are always asking me. How do you make nachos? Like How I, do you? Okay. How do you make your nachos? Get your cookie sheet. Yes. Put your nacho chips down and uh, get that. I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm just thinking my tostitas are... No, the loaded, tostitos? What are you Loaded talking? with salts. Loaded. I mean, okay. that's my, You're, those are like right. my, my okay. chips and salt. So that's my treat. Okay. So okay. instead of using, instead of using Tostitos, which okay. are bucket loads of salt, there's a, an or, you can get them in the organic section. Again, I'm not pumping the, the granola kale farm mentality, okay. but they got them in Costco. There's a, a low salt version of it in Costco than the big brown granola, uh, Dorito, like nacho chip yep. bag. They sell the same thing in Loblaws. Uh, I've, that's where often I get them. And they've got an unsalted one there. Okay. It's got, it's got, it's the K-Pasa brand and it's got a white on it and it says unsalted on the bottom. Just look at the label. Okay. And you take those and you put those on, on your cookie sheet. Okay. With a little tinfoil of parchment paper so it doesn't stick. You can take them off easy. And then you put your chips down and you take a light old cheddar. Now it's important to use an old cheddar instead of medium or marble or milder because it's a more concentrated flavor. You get more bang for your buck. So you use l much less cheese. And you don't need the ooey-gooey because you're going to be saturating it with, with the, you know, taco-seasoned beef or, you know, chopped up ground beef or chopped up roasted chicken off your grill. You season your chicken before you put it on the grill, flavor it up with whatever spices. Make a jerk chicken nachos. It's just wicked tasty. And you've limited the salt. Well, you don't yeah. have to have any salt. There's no salt necessary. There's salt in the cheese. There's there's no salt in the in the nacho chips, or at least they haven't had extra salt put on them. There's instead of using sour cream, zero percent Greek fat yogurt, uh, Greek yogurt, zero percent Greek fat. Um, sorry, any Greek people. Um, and you use that instead of sour cream, but with lots of uh, lettuce and tomatoes and onions and all this kind of stuff all over the top. You've got this mountain of food. And it hits all of your crunchy, sweet, chewy, gooey's. So for you, and it's interesting because we've just gone through kind of those craving foods, right? I feel yeah. like a good burger. I feel like a plate of nachos. So you went through all of these foods that you missed, that you had these emotional mm. connections to, that yep. were the type of food you ordered with your buddies, or yep. you were making you were making at home, and you started to make a list and recipes yep. of all of these things that you realized people similar to you, that yeah. weren't coming from this yeah. 
culinary background. Yeah, yeah. To to be able to create, you've approached the Ottawa Heart Institute. Yeah, I've about to, these recipes. Yeah. So where are you hoping to take this? Because this has now become a passion project for you. Right. I've uh, I started to go find me too. Because what I want to do is I want to make a uh, a physical cookbook, but I also want to create a digital library, an online location for people can go and say, okay, I want to eat this. I need a recipe to be able to have that and, and cover all those bases. Now, I've talked to um, Jean Bilodeau at the Heart Institute, the president of the alumni. Um, I've talked to uh, Jane Brownrigg as well. I think you interviewed her once on uh, your previous uh, job. I don't know if it was saying it or not. Um, but, uh, and and they've, they've say they're very interested in the stuff they got. They, of course, can't put their own, they can't put an official stamp on it. because. But, of, it's, but it's giving access to fellow Heart Institute right. patients who are going to find themselves yeah. six months out, yeah. who will have done everything by the book uh, yeah. and be in this rabbit, yeah, as you mentioned, yeah. the excess of kale, smoothies yeah. and everything else and yeah. craving some of that old, some of these the satiating foods, the satiating foods, yeah. foods that there's going to be access to say, okay, this is what I'm feel feel yeah. like. This is what I'm craving. How can I make this yeah. in, in a different format that's going to taste good? Yeah. So, have you gotten good response? Like, what has the response been from people who have seen the recipes and tried them? And oh, I've had a buck forever. You love this. Oh my god, you know. And I don't know how you spell that, but it's it's it's. People are loving the idea, loving the recipes, and they're like, I need something like that. That's what I'm looking for. I've I've had people say to me, how do I make that? Not, not the straight up, how do I make it? But like, how do I make that? Like, what's, how come you can, I can eat scalloped potatoes? How come I can have nachos? Like, those are bad foods. Like, you go into, into a restaurant, you order nachos, it's not a good food to be eating. Like, you can actually make chicken wings be less bad. They're not never going to be good. Don't get me wrong. They're never going to be good. But you can make them in a way that is less bad. And and so I've had people say, "How do you how do you do this?" The people are loving it. They hit up for recipes all the time. You have people coming over. I've got somebody who's got sensitivities to this. Do you have any suggestions? What can I do if I want to have this? What can I use in place of this? The Lebanese festival. You, you ever go to the Lebanese yes, festival? Delicious. I love Lebanese food. The kibbe? Have you ever had kibbe? What is that? It's the little brown thing like this. It's uh, kind of shaped like an egg. It's got a point, usually pointy on the end. Maybe it's, not. It's lamb. I'm like and the hum- I'm meat. like the hummus tabbouleh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's my weakness there. The, but the you, pita can, bread. you can. You can. Oh yeah, yeah. It's the carby bread. <laughs> I'm like getting hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else getting hungry? I'm just saying, let's go I'm for like lunch. So hungry right now. But uh, I, kibbe is it's like this lamb and bulgur wheat seasoned thing that's deep fried well i actually figured out a way to make that exact same thing but baked so it takes the entire deep fried component out of it and it's really really good i had i had actually was going to do a business at one point just because i don't have anything else going on in my life uh with making haggis haggis okay no i i'm, I'm stopping i'm stopping you right there you've never the had only it? time i think i vomited live on television or had to run out and spit something out was having haggis have, you ever, have no. you ever had real haggis? I, yes. I had, I, like, trust me, on every Robbie Burns day and any, anything else, yeah. I, I covered enough of those. I, I did cover enough I of those. I actually tracked down the original recipe from 1430, and I figured out how to make haggis a healthy way that hits all the, all the proper flavors without all the nasty flavor, has all the proper seasonings. And by the way, the original mm-hmm. recipe is a whole lot different flavor than the 
than what, guess, what we're yeah. than what they, we're exposed we're to now. Peddled, yeah. Okay, because I'm running out. I'm running yeah, out of yeah, time. Yeah, so yeah. give me like okay, t- give me your top five things that you have replaced in this new kind of way of thinking and cooking um, that you enjoy. Like what five foods or five nachos. ingredients? Nachos, nachos, and burgers uh, are are for for sure right there because those are the ones that like everybody you know. It's a quick. I'm not, I'm not like the whole idea of the food something to eat mm-hmm. is let's go get something to eat and I just labeled it after the, what people say let's go get something to eat something making to eat. something to eat not a bad thing right so my mentality the, what the things that I, Greek yogurt mm-hmm. that's one Greek yogurt is awesome um, a properly stocked herb pantry or herb garden okay okay that's two um I totally put him on the spot right now. But it's yeah, okay. a sharp knife. Mm-hmm. A sharp knife. Um, oh, you still suck at this. <laughs> um, uh, a really good uh, an enamel Dutch oven. A what? An enamel Dutch oven. You know the cook. You take a look at a cook show, and they have that blue th- pot that sits on top of the stove. Okay. Have you ever seen a cooking show? It's a like. Yeah, you like got a piece in her. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a pot, like a, a good pot. The enamel, an enamel Dutch oven. It's a it's a pot about yay big around. Okay, with the two handles, you can stick it in the oven. It's made of cast iron. It's usually colored on the outside. It's got an enamel. Okay, on the yes, inside. yes, 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 yes. That things, helps keep the flavors. Like, well, it makes it so you don't have to use so much fat. They're really, really good for that. So, you can get a, a cheap one for forty bucks. You can get the Le Creuset really good one for four hundred dollars. But it that it it makes it so you don't have to use the fat. They clean like a breeze. Uh, like every time I use it, I'm like, I love this pot. It's so easy to use. But it's it's also a, because it works so well, you don't have to compensate by doing something else to it. Like adding a like bunch adding of an extra like adding a lot of fat. It's a great way to take out fat because you're using something really good, um, and a good frying pan by that same token. And aside from that. Probably the biggest one is to is is a little thing I have that I, I hold that's it made a huge difference in this is that life should be tactile both ways is a mentality that I have to it. Life should touch you just as much as you touch it. So the food that you touch should be able to touch you in the same way. It should be able to give you what you're getting from it at the same time like it's, it's supposed to, it should be a, a real symbiotic relationship with the stuff that you're doing and putting into your body and giving to yourself so in that sense that life should be tacked on both ways like everything you see or touch the conversation we have like whether it's a personal connection whether it's a, a situational connection it should be something that you give and get because the more you put out to someone else or something else or in a way of doing things the more that gets filled out back into your cup so you pour out but your cup never goes empty because somebody's always pouring back into it and I think you're doing that with this project. That's the and point. That's yeah. the point of this. Uh, as you were mentioning, something to eat. Something. To so eat. I had to ask you. I was like, okay, yeah. Rob, what? Because it's spelled S U M P N A, and then dash eat. eat yeah. Right. Something to eat. Depending on the on the social media component, okay. it, it's with or without the dash. Okay. So something to eat. Something to eat. Let's go get so something to eat. I, it's cute now that you can keep, yeah. keep saying it. But when I was reading it, I was like, how is, how is this going? So you uh, people can find that something to eat on Instagram. Yeah, Instagram You're on Facebook, Facebook, Twitter, and, and to get this project going because this is right. a an this is an ongoing thing yeah. to create more recipes, create different ideas uh, and alternatives 
will be posted on this book that you're trying to do. It's like this online, it's a, it's a so go, that it's, it's online. Yeah. So it's the GoFundMe and where can people, what's that address? Uh, the GoFundMe, I've got a short link on it on all my uh, social media sites, but it's, if you just search in the title thing, it's helping heart attack survivors with an exclamation mark. Helping heart attack survivors. Right. This is one way you're definitely giving back. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, had you gone to sleep that day? If I'd gone to sleep, well, you know, I'd never mentioned it, but the cool thing is, is that having the heart attack turned out to be a blessing. Because when I went in from a one-year uh, ECG or EKG or whatever to check and see my ultrasound on my heart, see how it was doing, turns out I had a heart defect I never would have known about. I would have been just walking down the street and dropped dead. My heart would have blown apart. Pretty cool. I love the attitude. <laughs> and he's still laughing and smiling. Rob, it was a pleasure to meet you today. It was a real pleasure. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm glad that you have this. And I hope people take advantage of that if they are looking for that emotional connection, that to say it's going to be okay. Yeah. I, I can have this relationship with food. There's ways to cook and and, yeah. and ways around it. I hope people really do check out the, the websites and the social media and, uh, and find some incentive. Because I know you were saying everyone's, as soon as you post, it's like, can you send me the recipe? Yeah. So that's really exciting to see. As for that, it's a wrap-up of this edition of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. As always, please like, share, subscribe. Let your friends know about the podcast. The only way to actually really make this grow and become uh, the podcast that it is really meant to be. See, you're smiling. It's fun. Smiling. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm gonna... what been up to, too. <laughs> and uh, that's, I'm going to have to just wrap it there. Thanks for listening. Awesome. See you next Thank week. You. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at averyrich.com.